When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Can you be a feminist and a supporter of pornography, sex work, prostitution, different things like that? How does it work? Is it a simple yes, no answer? To try and answer that question, Caroline West, who has been exploring these topics for the last number of years, is on live with us now. Caroline, thanks for coming on. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Now, I saw your bio, and I think uh, it was last week when your one, one or two of your tweets wound up being retweeted into my timeline. And I clicked in, and they're very interesting, and I read your bio, and I suppose my knee-jerk reaction was like, ah, oh, come on now, hang on. Can feminism and porn coexist and, 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 yeah. like, and go on? So I know that's probably a, a, a very ignorant, uninformed attitude. But, very. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I just thought... Uh, what, so how, it's, a very, it's a common one, though. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, you're, you're not the first, and you won't be the last person to ask that question as well. So the answer is a can't and a can't. And then it's somewhere in the middle as well. So there are different forms of feminism. So there's not just one feminism, it's feminisms, plural. So there's some feminists who say, absolutely, um, porn and sex work are not compatible with feminism and we should work to abolish these and they have no place in you know, a feminist yeah. kind of society. Um, and then on the other hand, you have people who say, of course, we can use um, porn and sex work to explore desire or to be empowering or to just survive or not kind of looking at it as a political stance as such, but looking at it as a revolutionary stance. So... And, and in between those two polar opposites, there's so many other different forms of feminism interacting with sex work and sexuality as well. So it's kind of just a lot of arguments <laughs> amongst people and kind of trying to decide, you know, what, what's the correct one and stuff. But like, you know, women aren't um, one just big homogenous group, so therefore our responses to porn isn't going to be the same for everyone as well. And then again, if you throw into the mix of that, there's so many different types of porn as well. So what one person is talking about porn might not be what another person thinks of porn. And then there's feminist porn, and some people say, you know, you can't have feminist porn, so that's a whole other argument in itself. So, yeah. It's so a, you're it's kept busy anyway. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, yeah. I find as a woman anyway, it's different to, to men. Men talk about porn as if it's completely normal, whereas women don't tend to. And it's yeah. it's not because we don't watch it or we don't enjoy it. It's because it's kind of looked down on. Shame. If, if you, uh, yeah. Shame. The yeah, church will yeah. take you away again. Absolutely. Well, like historically, it's been the female body that's been controlled, you know, not necessarily the male body. And it's female um, sexuality that's been controlled in police. I mean, the Magnum Laundries didn't lock up any men. You know, they locked up women as well. Um, and it's our bodies that are subject to, you know, birth control and all that kind of thing, whereas male birth control is still only just on the market or, or well, in testing stages. So it's very political as well. And it's a result of, 
that patriarchal society where men were in control and it's kind of still a bit of a hangover from that like we're slowly getting away from it thankfully but it's still there unfortunately what would you describe as feminist porn then before i answer that there's two ways to approach porn one is the concept of porn so just the general idea that um people having sex on screen for money or not for money is okay or not okay so my personal opinion is i would be okay with that idea and then i recognize that the idea is different to the reality of porn so the industry itself has right. some problems the same as any other industry you know the same as hollywood has some issues and music industry has issues so all those kind of things so you have to kind of be clear i suppose about what you're talking about so feminist porn really it's not really new like it's around since the 1980s so but we kind of think it's new because we finally only started paying attention to it i suppose lately um but a lot of feminist porn would like kind of challenge the acts that are on screen so they might not show some of the, the stereotypical acts that we might see in mainstream porn that a lot of the times are just about male pleasure and then the woman's just delighted the male has an orgasm and everyone forgets about the female <laughs> orgasm in most yeah. of the time um, and a lot of female porn as well you will see like quite a different range of body types and different kind of races ages different abilities all those kind of things and it, they're not fetishized as such they're just people rather than you know, you're watching sex with someone who, you know, insert racial slur, you know, kind of mm. thing that we might see in a lot of mainstream stuff. Um, then a lot of feminist porn as well, it's kind of referred to that because women are more in control of the production of it. So they are the ones creating the content, they're directing, they're producing, they're marketing, all that kind of thing. And then the, the working conditions on set are kind of probably a little bit more ethical. There's more choice and um, there's more interest in different kind of storylines, all that kind of thing. And some feminist porn isn't all about storylines and, you know, soft kind of sexual acts and stuff. It can be real rough and ready and hard as well. It's like the issue of choice. Yeah, and choice you of control, what? I suppose, that it's not just for yeah. by men, for men, I, under the guise of, oh, absolutely. girls love this. You it's know by even watching, you can you know by watching a film at times as well, <laughs> if a male has directed it or directed oh, a scene. yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's completely similar. <laughs> All the James yeah. Bonds. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slumped yeah. them into, into one. It's funny how, how that's changed as well over, uh, what was on the TV? Uh, Goldeneye, the oh, Pierce yeah. Brosnan was on the TV on oh, the weekend. God. And I was watching, and that wouldn't have been ever uh, an offensive movie. Like, Pierce Brosnan, that style of Bond he did wasn't like the dark Daniel Craig and it was more, I don't want to say, not comic booky, but it wasn't as serious or as dark. But even some of the comments were kind of like, you know, just throw away comments about bed and women and that's oh, yeah. all he cared about. And you're kind of yeah. like now kind of going, oh yeah, hmm. On the romantic side of things, yeah. Pretty Woman. It's probably my least favourite film of all time. Is there's just a feminist it, it's yeah. literally It's literally, like, if you actually watch the film and break it down, they're just objectifying her the whole time. Like I've never seen yeah, it. It's still the same, like, waiting for your man to rescue you. Exactly. Yeah. You know, she seemed to be doing all right before he came along. She yeah. was surviving and, and, you know, living for herself. And now it's, like, just rely on male money and male savings. And it's like, oh, just, no. She can save herself. The She's typical damsel in distress. Yeah. But it's like such a difference when I saw Oceans, which is the new one with Rihanna in it. it Thirteen, I think, might be, yeah. Yeah, and it's just so different how the women were presented in it, that they actually had more dialogue than they normally have, and the, you know, the clothes were different, and it wasn't just like a walking body with boobs, basically, so... <laughs> massively different. Apparently the new Toy Story is like that too. I haven't seen it. It's very that. female oh, driven. Yeah. No, I haven't um, no, no, but I've seen a lot of, you know, backlash from 
angry men online who live in the basement and uh, don't have any interaction with the real world about things like you know the last big Star Wars movie where the main character yeah. was the, I can't remember it was the female kind of and it was that whole fight back and forth with it and so many people being like disgusted and outraged that you know they would claim that it isn't the fact that it's a woman but they're saying you're changing the whole storyline and this is bullshit and they're going like no that should be a guy and it's just you know being pissed off that a woman was put in let's say Luke Skywalker or whoever should have been in, in place but I mean I suppose they don't realise that's what women have had to put up with for like ever <laughs> and you <laughs> didn't realise it like you know when you're growing yeah. up you, you don't realise when you're watching these films that we're taking a back seat yeah you're, anyway, being, you you're d- being rescued and you're just there as a yeah. passenger in the movie and you're like well done everyone go men woo exactly Exactly. You just yeah, don't, it's only now in the last few years when we're talking about it and now females are, are getting the better roles or the bigger roles in yeah. films that you're going, oh, hang on a second, we can do the same thing. Yeah. We can also... Yeah, and more speaking roles as well, not yeah. just even being present on screen, more like meaty dialogue that's coming up as well. And a more racial element as well to it has to be considered because, again, like where are the people of colour? You know, where are the black people? Where are the Asian people? And in non-very stereotypical roles as well, you know, we're not... Uh, showing the full depth I suppose of human experience if it's just white male stories which is what it kind of has been a lot a lot of the time in Hollywood like we're finally getting there thankfully but there's a lot of work still to be done yeah I suppose things like um, there's a Black Panther and Captain Marvel stepping stones yeah, in the yeah. right direction maybe of course that have done, um, yeah, done slightly better um, do you mind if I ask as well, because you mentioned obviously sex work might be a focus of your um, research and stuff, but how does, again, sex work and feminism work and where would be your take on it? Because I was listening to a fascinating podcast last week, you know, Criminal, mm. really, really famous um, crime kind of podcast. And they were interviewing a, a woman who was a sex worker and she was saying she's earning a huge amount of money being a sex worker, that she got into this voluntarily and that she has no problem with it for the next while. But I know a, a lot of people can have a, a backlash against that and wouldn't necessarily agree with that saying that might be cherry picking one positive out of a huge that she must be forced into it in some that, way that kind or... of thing that even if she isn't that that's kind of yeah. you know ignoring the fact that there might be thousands upon thousands of women who are trafficked into all that stuff so h- how do you approach the idea of feminism with sex work so I, I look for the nuance so it's looking for the tiny details so sex work is, is a huge industry you're talking cam girls you're talking porn you're talking strippers you're talking on street prostitution you're talking mm. indoor prostitution so you have to be very clear about what you're talking about because say the experience of on street prostitutes in India is going to be completely different to um, a porn star in LA who has like an extensive kind of career and stuff. So you have to figure out what we're actually talking about in that dialogue and, and like some might be really similar and some might be completely different as well. So the argument around a lot of feminism and sex work stuff is about choice as well and, and do people really choose to be in this industry? Mm. And my take on that is that that is a lot of ideology. The, the answer is really like that we don't really know. So like in my field of looking the American porn industry since the porn studies kind of really became a thing in the late 70s ni- early 1980s there's been four studies done on female porn stars wow. and like they're, they're tiny tiny studies yeah. and most of them have looked at like the motivations for entering and the reasons for staying and one that looked at um, childhood sexual abuse but the rest of it it's all just speculation and theory so like my research would kind of argue that that's a form of violence to kind of make those claims about people and say oh well I don't know them but they must have been abused or right. Right, yeah. I don't know, but they must have been forced into it. And it's like, you know, we don't say that about a lot of other people because it's a very unethical statement to say that without having extensive data to prepare that or to, to you know, back up that kind of statement. Like the, my porn research looked at, um, I interviewed women who work in porn and they all had such different experiences for how they came to the industry. Like one had a PhD in human sexuality and decided to go into it. 
One was a stripper when she was 18 and decided to go into it. One got sick and tired of working in engineering and <laughs> went into it because she had better um, opportunities, better freedom, better money. So all those kind of things. So instead of just a blanket judgment, oh, they must all be like this. You know, it's looking at all the different types of experience and then have, like talking about it in a way that isn't violent as well and making those kind of assumptions so that's what's called like a universalistic assumption when you're like all women and all porn and that's just not very ethical to say stuff like that it's it's the type of thing that's saying like all all men are you know xyz and it's like well no let's have that conversation in a more nuanced kind of form as well so i'd always be very careful and cautious of the people who make those kind of statements of oh they must be Mm. because that kind of says a lot more about them and their own projections there's a lot of people who say oh i would never do sex work and it's like that's fine no one's saying that you have to do it but you have to respect that other people are doing it and like one of the responses is let's try and make the people who are in it safe to do mm-hmm. like the people you know that are in Ireland at the moment doing say um, on street sex work or, or in brothel sex work as well the issue is instead of criminalising them how can we actually protect them because I don't know if you saw the news lately that two sex workers yeah. were jailed because they were working together so that they're now classed as each other's pimp and they're charged with brothel keeping so one of them is pregnant so she's going to be forced to have her baby in prison and it's like well how does that actually help anyone you know and the ideology of let's end demand that's one thing but ideology is very different to real life and the real life consequence of that is two women are now locked up in prison a baby's going to be born in prison god knows where the baby will go afterwards and who does that actually help you know it's it's just that's a situation where ideology is causing violence and causing real life impact on the people that they're talking about as well um, if you were, let's say, in charge and you had a magic wand and today you could um, write the rules around prostitution and kind of escorting in this country, what would you like to see put in place? Okay, I would wave a magic wand and ban anyone else that had magic wands from trying to make like, <laughs> Good move, people because, you know, because it's like, well, who am I to say that? You know, like, who, who, are, who am I to make the judgment call about what's right for another person to do for their own particular situation? You know, like I've met sex workers who are doing it to survive and I've met ones who are doing it and they're making an absolute fortune and they love it and then I've met ones who are all in the middle of those two Mm. real polar opposites and they all have different experiences and different working histories and different ambitions and all those kind of different things so I suppose like my, my one answer is to listen to sex workers and to put their voices front and centre of the discourse and then everyone else kind of comes secondary to that. Would you decriminalise it and kind of make it illegal or...? So I'd absolutely decriminalise it. Decriminalising is really different to legalising which is the situation and maybe it's in the Netherlands and Germany. So decriminalising means that the woman has no penalties for selling sex. So at the moment, like some people will say that that is the situation in Ireland, but it's actually not given those two women were locked up a few weeks ago. So there's obviously, you know, consequences for them as well. But again, it's like harm reduction. It's like drugs. It's like, you know, alcohol use. It's not going to go away. So how do we make the people who are doing these kind of things safe? And how do we, you know, give them options if that's not what they want to do? And recognising that trafficking is very, very different to consensual sex work. And again, working under capitalism when we all have, you know, rent to pay and we know there's a housing crisis in Ireland that people are doing what they they have to do to survive, basically. I've had this conversation with friends so much about whether it should be legal here 
or not because I, I just think I don't know about legalising it but I just think people are going to do it regardless and like you said if it's done in a safe environment and it's and it's done if they want to actually you know yeah. be a prostitute I mean some women love having sex you know, that's just, and making money and making the money two. exactly yeah. like, and people like surviving and having food exactly yeah. that's true. and feeding their kids as well and you know we know that there's a housing crisis and we know there's a lot of people engaged in work they may or may not want to do in order to keep a roof over their heads as well so sometimes like we see the stereotypes of like the happy hooker versus the trafficked victim yeah, yeah. and there's a multitude of truths in between those two complete polar opposites as well you know yeah and I often wonder as well if you were to let's say legalise it mm. and make it let's say an industry are you then naturally going to create more demand for more sex workers so is there a risk well, then more, that more people would be, be just to be clear they're not legalising decriminalising yeah so oh, yeah, 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 between the two but like places like New Zealand have adopted that model and they said that the women involved have, are they're more likely to go to the cops if they they um experience an assault yeah. or if they're robbed and the cops are more likely to actually support them whereas you know maybe people when it's not decriminalized they mightn't have that same faith and they mightn't engage with services as much so there is research to say that where it's not actually decriminalized like workers are less likely to um report anything or you know engage yeah. with support services around sexual health or you know homelessness or any of those kind of things and especially here if you're a migrant and you have no papers um you know that's very problematic if you're trying to get help from the guards in that case as well you know so like there's that question as well of like you know you can apply that to any industry yeah. if you know we legalize drugs will that mean a whole um you know industry comes up around that and stuff and it's like well people are going to do it anyway so you know do we take the money out of like maybe criminal elements and then give it back to the people or where do we go from there but i'd be very wary of the people who give really simplistic answers to those questions. It's not a simple yeah. yes or no kind of thing. It's looking at lo- lots of evidence and the voices of the people doing the work should be absolutely front and centre of those conversations. I think like yeah. the one thing we've learned today is that there is no single simple answer to anything that we've yeah. discussed. No, probably not. <laughs> no, Caroline, Definitely what's, what's next for you now? Um, well, I'm just a couple of days away from submitting the PhD. Yeah, so very, very interesting times. Um, then i got to figure out the rest of my life basically <laughs> after that so no pressure well, that, um, might, that yeah, might be less stressed than writing the PhD though I'd say so yeah yeah god hopefully yeah no it's definitely it's been an experience for sure so how long yeah, have you been working more, on it uh, five years part time so I would definitely time. recommend anyone if you're doing PhD do it part time because you can work and live a little bit as well so um, and doing cool stuff like media stuff as well yeah, yeah, um, that's cool. but yeah it's worth it and you know because if you have that passion for it it kind of carries you through otherwise it's just torture so yeah <laughs> passion is the way to go Deadly. well listen Caroline thanks a million for popping on and speaking to us this evening as you said there's you know we could literally talk about everything for hours and hours and hours yeah. if someone listening wants to follow up with more of the work that you're doing where can they find you online um, they can find me on Twitter at Caroline West underscore IE and then hopefully I'll have a website up and running soon enough Daily. As soon as you have that up, drop us a link and we'll be sure to share it out at our end anyway. Perfect. Cheers. Bye-bye. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.